Welcome to Eternity Now. I'm Senior Pastor and Evangelist Kyle Huckins. We're a U.S.-based church and evangelism movement reaching every color and culture for Christ. Our podcasts, videos, doctrine, history, and much more are on our website, eternitynow.com. E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. This broadcast is made possible by your tax-deductible giving. Go to our website and click Support Us to see how you can help bring the good news of eternal life to one million people this year. Thanks for listening. Now for one of my recent messages. We see in the headlines today wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilences like COVID-19, also earthquakes in various places, all the way from Vermont to the Virgin Islands is happening. We have false prophets. There are many heresies that are sneaking in with those who have come in unawares. And there are signs of our times and also of the end of the age. A recent poll showed that three out of four born-again Christians believe that this is that last age of which Jesus talked about, the time of his return. Even half of Roman Catholics agree with that. And they certainly are not very apocalyptically minded folks. Now, a lot of liberal Christian pastors say, oh, you know, every generation has said that it's the last one, that this is the one when Jesus is coming back. Well, that may be so, and they may be wrong. But the Lord said that we would know the season if we are saved. Here's where he said, Mark 13, 28 to 31. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. What is branch has already become tender, and puts forth leaves, you know the summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that it is near, at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Well, I was seeing something that was happening in current events just the other day, and the Spirit whispered in my ear, at the doors. He is just about here to open the door to all of those who have been saved into that time of hiding, that place of refuge during the tribulation, calling up the church in the rapture, the blessed hope of us to be spared of that horrible week of years that will be held upon the earth. But in trying to understand what's happening in the end times, I was just telling Pastor Victor, the basic idea is we with Christ win. (laughs) But it's good to know the things to watch for because the Lord said, watch and pray for your redemption draws none. As we look up, we want to know what we're looking for that's going to be coming to us. And so the message is timeline to eternity. We're going to mention several passages. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 is one. And Revelation 22, verses 1 to 5. Now, when Christ came the first time, and that word also is Advent. Sometimes we hear that the first Advent, the second Advent, the first coming, the second coming. He went primarily to the Jews. They were and still are God's chosen people. Abraham was called from a place, and he was going to where he didn't know where he was going. But he did that in obedience, and so he is the father of faith. And the Lord said that in him, all nations would be blessed. Of course, uh, that is to the Jewish people. But then the greatest Jew of all time, Jesus Christ, giving his life so that anybody could be saved. Praise God. 
Now, Jesus, who is the prophesied Messiah, that means anointed one, as John 1.11 says, came to his own, his own received him not, for the most part. But then that was good for us. God works all things together for good. Romans 1.11 says to Paul that the Hebrews' mistake led God to provoke them to jealousy as salvation has come to the Gentiles. And so now we have the times of the Gentiles. And you'll see on your timeline that that's at the very far left, essentially the first item as far as the timeline is concerned. These times of the Gentiles, the era of grace and mercy, when not only Jews, but all of the Gentiles are being reached out to throughout the whole world. We literally have radio waves, satellite waves, uh, the rest carrying the gospel from North Pole to South Pole. You know, there's even a church in Antarctica. There's one there for the research scientists and the rest. So that it's on every continent. Virtually every people has been reached by the gospel. So right now what's happening is we're ending the times of the Gentiles and we're moving into the time of Jacob's trouble. Because the Jews will really be the number one focus of the tribulation. But we Gentiles will also benefit as well. Now, the Jews champion education and the professions. They could even do some pretty darn good agriculture. They have literally put rivers into the desert as far as Israel is concerned. But the Lord commanded in Leviticus 25 that they leave the land until they don't plant a crop every seven years. And they could eat what grows of itself. And usually something will spring up in that field. But they were supposed to trust the Lord for what was going to be their sustenance. After seven of the Sabbaths, seven sevens, 49 years, they would have the 50th year, which is the Jubilee. You might have heard of that. They were to leave the fields fallow, not plant again for a second year, and trust the Lord's provision. This was also the time when all debts were canceled, when people could go back to their ancestral land if they had been sold, and they would get that land back again as given by the Lord and his first people. So it takes some faith as well as self-control to be able to work into God's plan. It takes trusting him. Obviously, if you have some extra, you maybe want to put a little bit aside. That can also be God, too, having that kind of wisdom for the difficult times. Remember that there was the dream that Pharaoh had that there were going to be, in the interpretation, several lean years coming up in Egypt. And so what did Joseph do? He stored up into the silos as much grain as possible, and he was able to not only sustain Egypt, but Israel and lands around him. So this kind of wisdom, it sometimes seems a little more practical, but that's fine. Sometimes it's not as practical. You know, when the folks in Jericho trying to take that, the Israelis, they, they marched around that city 13 times in total. Now, marching around the city and shouting to the Lord would not seem like a really great battle strategy, but it worked. And do you know that archaeologists have found walls of Jericho fell out just like they had prophesied? <laughs> and unnaturally, as would happen, usually happen. Now, the problem is that the Jews didn't listen. They didn't trust God, and so they didn't leave those fields fallow every seven years, and they didn't always observe the Jubilees correctly. They also said that other ways. And it was really the root of the problem 
that they had on the road from Egypt to Israel, from captivity to the promised land. They would not enter God's rest. And God was very disappointed with them. We find the Lord addressing this through David in Psalm 95, 8 to 11. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years, I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And then Paul quotes that and elaborates on it in Hebrews 4, 8 to 11. We need to rest in God. We've got a lot of things happening around us that are crazy. We're wondering if our government is going to last for a couple of more years after having almost 250 pretty good ones. But we have to realize our faith can't be in the government. <laughs> government never saved anybody. Our faith has to be in Jesus Christ. He'll provide for us. I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor received begging bread. David tells us in Psalm 37, 25. So this is where the 70 weeks of years come. This was to make up for the Jews' disobedience in these different ways, but especially in observing the Sabbaths of the land and Jubilees. He appointed 70 weeks of years, literally 77s in the Hebrews, uh, in Hebrew, to have them suffer, realize their need for him, really to draw them, is ultimately what times of difficulty do. We realize we can't depend on Manny, we can't depend on Sarah, but we can depend on Jesus. Right. And so 49 of these, the first seven weeks of years, if you look at Daniel 9, he talks about seven, uh, seven weeks and 62 weeks. The first 49 years came once the Persian king, Cyrus. He declared that the Jews could go back and build the temple again. Then we have 62 weeks of years, 434 years. And that came as the Jews endured their oppressors, taking the promised land by force, putting the temple under foreign authority, the Romans ruling. And then at the end of those 62 weeks, total of 69, Messiah would be cut off according to Daniel 9.26. Well, if you add up the years, it comes out to right when Jesus Christ is going to Jerusalem for his crucifixion. And that leaves one more week of years, one more seven-year period to go to the end of time. And this oh, is going to... Is, is that whenever... Uh, is that when Daniel was instructed to... He was instructed to seal the last week? Uh, yeah, seal the last week. It also got some more details on it, which we'll talk about. So we've got the seven years to atone for the Hebrews' wickedness and also to have them accept Christ as Lord. God never forgets anybody. He also never breaks his word. And so he is trying desperately to get the Jews saved. They seem to be going kicking and shouting sometimes, but eventually many will go. And so what will happen is in the first part of this tribulation, the seven years, there's going to be great suffering and difficulty. Somebody must say, well, you know, not much happens in the first three and a half years. Well, the second three and a half years is a little more horrible. However, the first half is pretty amazing. Yeah. A good summation is from Revelation 6, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It talks about one riding on the white horse. This is likely Antichrist, the opposite of Christ, the devil's Christ, who is going to be persecuting and killing and all if folks don't worship him. That's likely Antichrist going to war to enlarge his territory. 
Then we have the red horse, and that is taking peace from the earth. And so there'll be riots and unrest even in the streets. We're beginning to see that now. The black horse that looks at famine and inflation. You know about, of course, the uh, interruptions of the supply chain. We've had just our small disturbance. Yeah. At this time, it is going to cost a day's wages for a loaf and a half of bread. Yeah. Can you imagine a hundred bucks for a loaf and a half of Wonder Bread? That is today maybe three dollars. That's what we're talking about. Very, very. The pale horse is death, and we're going to have four billion, based on the population of the Earth, four billion people will be killed in the first three and a half years. It's amazing. War, starvation, sickness, and even the beasts of the Earth. It says. Folks who, wild beasts, as they go and flee, will get them as well. Now, there are seven seals. You'll see that on the left side under the arch of your document there. Uh, in the first half of the tribulation, we have the seven seals being opened. God has a document of judgment that he's written up. And it has seven seals on it. That's particularly difficult <laughs> to be able to open. Basically, they would write, they'd roll up a paper, and they'd seal it. He has seven seals, and at the opening of each, something awful happens. Just a summation, all green grass is going to be burned up. The seals are open. Meteors will strike the seas and the rivers, turning, uh, killing all the different creatures and a third of each of them. We're going to have the sun, moon, and stars darkened. We'll have locusts with scorpion-like stings making people want to die, but God won't let them die. And millions of horsemen, 200 million will be killing billions of people. We will also have, as we see in our own day, murder, sexual perversion, and drug abuse skyrocketing everywhere. And yes, people sir. not repenting. <clears throat> now what happens as the seven years begins is the Jews rebuild their temple in Israel. This is going to be amazing that that happens. There's actually a, uh, an Islamic temple there at the particular time. But they're going to resume the sacrifices of animals and birds and such. You know that it stopped. All that stopped in about AD 70, just as Jesus prophesied when the Romans came and they took down the temple. Uh, within a generation of Jesus, all of that stopped. And that temple had not one stone on top of the other. And so at the midpoint of the tribulation, the sacrifices are going to stop. We see that in Daniel 9.27. And this is that dividing line of the first part of the tribulation from the great tribulation, the worst, which will be literally Jacob's trouble of the last three and a half years. What happens, and something that I have found in studying the Bible a bit as I've been going through chapter by chapter in Revelation, is contrary to a lot of people who believe there will be a treaty between Antichrist and Israel that will allow him into the temple, what it looks like he will do, if you look at Ezekiel 38, is he will have a treaty with several different nations, most of which are Islamic. Iran, Sudan, Libya, southern part of Russia, the Republic Chapter of Georgia. 38? Yes. And Azerbaijan and Turkey are those modern nations. Virtually all of those areas are Muslim. And this force is going to storm across the Euphrates and take Jerusalem. And then Antichrist goes into the temple. He's leading this force. You know, people will say, oh, he's probably just going to, you know, give a little speech and go. Now he's going to say, you know what? I'm actually God. You've got to worship me or you're going to die. <laughs> and you're not going to get anything to buy or sell either. So this is described in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4. He is going to be in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. 
is what they say, showing himself. <laughs> and it's the desecration of the temple, <coughs> excuse me, that Jesus refers to in Matthew 24, 15, is revisiting the uh, <coughs> abomination of desolation is what it's called. There had been one in 168 BC, about five generations before Christ, but prophesied by Daniel. And what happened was Antiochus Epiphanes, a very evil leader of the yeah, world, he came into the temple and he forced the priest to eat pork, which is unclean, sacrifice pigs on the altar. He uh, killed all the babies that had been circumcised. It was an awful, awful time. This is the kind of thing that's going to happen when Antichrist comes back again. So let's talk about that great tribulation. That's the second two and a half years, which would be kind of that right side under the arch. That's the great tribulation, a time of trouble such as never been seen in the history of the world. Uh, it's talked about. Jesus says when this comes about, when they see that abomination of desolation, Matthew 24, 15 to 18, let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. Don't go back because you may not be able to come back after that. The Jews finally are going to receive Jesus as Lord. And they're going to be able to be saved, but at great cost. And so Antichrist rules the world and persecutes everyone who will not go along with his particular plan. He is very much even more wicked and murderous with the Jews and Christians, the people who worship the one true God. But God is going to protect the Messianic Jews, the people come to faith. Revelation 12 talks about Israel as a woman. And she's going to flee out into the wilderness. Some thinks, uh, think it is the rock town of Petra in which they carved their dwellings into the rock. And it says in Revelation 12 that there's going to be a flood released by the dragon or the devil after Israel. But it also says that the earth helps the woman and swallow the flood. How can that happen? When the Lord, uh, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. Okay, well, that is probably the soldiers going after Israel. But what happened in the rebellion of Karah? The Lord opened the earth and it swallowed all the rebels and closed back up. They're ex-rebels at that point. So I think that's what's going to happen is God will open up the earth. And he will take these soldiers in, and they will not be able to touch Israel, having come to him. Praise God. Now, as far as one of the big things, of course, that everybody talks about, I had the message last weekend, the mark of the beast is going to be only these three and a half years. Nobody can buy or sell without the mark on your head or your right hand. Now, the false prophet is the sidekick, so to speak, the evil sidekick, they're trying to look good, of the Antichrist. He may not be a Christian. He has two little rounded horns, kind of like a lamb. That's where people get it. Could be just a humanitarian. And he's going to help Antichrist pull it off. He leads people to worship an image of the beast, just as Antiochus Epiphanes did. This is Revelation 13, 14. But also, he will have this way of killing people who refuse to worship Antichrist, as well as controlling the buying and selling. And we see in the prophecy at the end of Revelation 13, he will do both of these things. He will be the conduit. He'll be the fix-it man for both of these. Microsoft patent 2020 06 
that is a number assigned to it. <laughs> I don't think that was random, though. I think God was in it. Microsoft patent 2020-06-06-06 is for a cryptocurrency device. Bitcoin, for example, able to sense whether a person has completed certain tasks, like worship. And then the sensor could be an implanted computer chip. And people in Sweden already have their medical histories in their hand, literally. So that if they put it under some kind of scope, it can be read. Do you want your medical history in the hand <laughs> so that it could be in other people's hands? I would say no. Now, after controlling people this way, then what is going to happen? We've got Revelation 15 and 16 detailing how at the end of this week of years, God is going to have his angels release seven plagues upon the earth and seven bold judgments. This will be the worst of all time. So we have three rounds of judgment. We've got the seven seals. Then we've got seven trumpets. Then we've got seven bowls. <laughs> and God really is drawing people at all of these. It's like these are prophesied. People will see. They will have a billion people perhaps vanish in the rapture. It's like, will you finally repent? Will you finally repent? Will you finally repent? And they'll say, no, no, let the rocks fall on us. Let it cover us. We don't want to be in the judgment of God. Yeah, well, you've got to get right and you, you, or else you're going to perish eternally as well as on this earth. My goodness, to, to have the whole world, you're going to lose yourself for that? That's not very small, uh, very smart. Now, right. these kind of bowls include turning the rivers and seas to blood, striking the world with darkness so painful, people will gnaw their tongues. It's amazing. It's going to be that penetrating a darkness. Also, scorching heat. 100-pound hailstones. Now, in Emerald, we get a fair amount of hail here. One time in five years, I had three times I had to get my car with a dent repair. And the folks finally called up from the insurance company, what the heck is going on in Amarillo? This guy's got this one. Well, we just get a lot of hail here, you know. Well, 100-pound hailstones. Do you remember what happened 15 years ago when we had the baseball side sail? It went through people's roofs. It totaled 90% of the cars and automobile roll on Sansi. This is going to be probably 50 times or 100 times larger than that. Uh, so a lot of people are going to die. And Jesus finally returns at the end of the seven years, actually a little more. There's an interesting passage or two in Daniel 8 and Daniel 12. And it'll be a total of up to 2,595 days. And you see that on the arch. That will fulfill the 70 weeks of years. And our Lord Jesus will ride a white horse. And he's going to lead all of the great throng from heaven, all of the resurrected. Then the folks down below, they're going to also be able to join us in defeating Antichrist, the false prophet, and all of their supporters in the Battle of Armageddon. And Armageddon is a literal place. It is uh, the hill of Megiddo. It's actually a fairly small little uh, place that is outside of Jerusalem. It has about a 70-foot-tall hill, but it's very, very wide. It's kind of like a big mesa. And you can see the entire huge valley from there. And that is where it will take place. And many, many battles have been fought throughout time in that very location. Then we get the wedding supper of the Lamb. Now, people think, you know, it's going to be something with nice forks and some good different kinds of accoutrements. Yeah. But what's going to happen is the birds are going to feed on the flesh of all of these defeated ones. And they're going to have a really good kind of meal 
because uh, they'll have plenty of meat to be able to take in. So what are the born again doing all this time? There's all this craziness is uh, taking place upon the earth. Well, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 says there is going to be a great catching away. The Greek word is harpazo. It's something that is sudden, something that is complete, uh, something that is fully able to take the person away. And after this, we will always be with the Lord. At first, we're going to be up in heaven for the seven years of tribulation. Then we get to come back to earth for the millennial kingdom, rule and reign with Christ a thousand years, and finally be in the new Jerusalem. And you see that on the right side of your handout there. Now, this catching away is popularly called the rapture. A lot of critics of the rapture say, okay, well, wait a minute, the word rapture is not even in the Bible. Oh, in English, but it is in Latin. You see, at the time that this doctrine became known, Latin was really the language of the world. And the word for harpazo in Latin is rapturo, which is rapture. So it is there, it's just disguised a little bit. And this is described a couple of times in scripture. One of the easiest to see is in Jesus' statement in Matthew 24, 40 to 42. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and another left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. First Thessalonians 5, 9 adds that we who know Christ are not appointed unto wrath. And Revelation 3, 10 has Jesus saying that his own are going to be spared the hour of trial that shall come upon the whole world. That's right. We haven't had that yet. They didn't even know what most of the whole world was at the time of Jesus. So it obviously did not happen then. It's happening in a few moments in time, so to speak, as we look upon God's calendar. Now, the good news is that while the tribulation is primarily for the Jews, Gentiles are also going to come to Christ in great numbers. We see this in Revelation 7, verses 9 to 10, when John is in heaven by the Holy Spirit. And he sees what it says, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the land, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And verse 14 says what they've come out of. These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. It's going to be people from Easter Island and Eastern Canada and Eastern Kenya and Eastern Russia. They're all going to be there from the West. They're going to be from the Western U.S. They're going to be from Western Australia. They're going to be from Western Antarctica. Everybody's going to be there. It's going to be the Latinos and the Natives and the Blacks and the Whites and everybody else we can think of, the Arabs, the Jews. Everybody's going to be there at that point in time. So there's a wideness in God's mercy, even in the midst of judgment. Wow. So coming back to the second coming of Christ, again, this would be the right part of the chart. Revelation 19, 19 to 21 tells us that the returning Lord is going to toss the Antichrist and false prophet into the lake of fire. This will be their last building place where they can burn forever and ever and ever with their father, the devil. He will also kill off the people that are with them and he'll bring with them all the saved of all time to us. Now, this is when the uh, sheep and the goats are separated from Matthew 25, 31 to 46. Remember, he comes back 
And he's seated on the earth, right? And he's got the sheep on the one side and the goats on the other. Where does he say that the goats are going to go? They're going to hell, right? So there's not going to be sinful people on the earth again. Once the battle of Armageddon is done and the goats are put into hell. We're going to have a great thousand years at that point in time. Revelation 20 verse 4 says, Those who have died in the Lord are going to live again and rule and reign with him. If you've been faithful over a few things, you'll be put over many things. If you've been faithful with one city, you're going to get a bunch more cities. This is that time of reward. And you know, people talk about their bucket list. Oh, I want to do this before I die. I want to do this, that. I don't have any bucket list because I got 13 lifetimes, 77 years each for a thousand years. You can have 13 lifetimes to do whatever you want, wherever you want. I bet you're not going to have to pay to go on a flight up to Canada. You're not going to have to spend bunches and bunches of money and mortgage your house to have a fun time down in South America. This is going to be a time when God blesses his people and we bless God. Can you imagine the best president pales in comparison to Jesus Christ as Lord? It's going to be great. We're not going to have any Senate problems or house or anything else. Praise God. And you know that even the little children that we have today, it's so wonderful to see the little ones hearing and being in the house of God that the nature of animals and serpents and the rest is going to be changed. This is the time Isaiah talks about the lion and the lamb laying down together. The viper, he'll be a little plaything for the children. Oh, you know, he'll tie them in little knots and then you know, all that kind of stuff. Like guinea pigs, they're going to be able to go out and the birds aren't going to take them. They'll pat them on the head. So it's going to be a great time for all of us. I forget that. Praise God. Yes. Yes, and Satan is going to be bound for the thousand years. Isn't that wonderful? And so peace is going to prevail, but he'll be loosed one last time in the end. That's Revelation 20, verse 3. This is an interesting one. People generally think that the mention of Gog and Magog rebelling against God once the devil is let out of the abyss, that those are literal countries on the earth. But what makes sense with the dividing the sheep and goats and the peace is that these are actually demons that are released. There is a very interesting finding Chuck Missler had, the late Chuck Missler, that in the Septuagint, which is what Jesus generally used for the Old Testament, 90% of Jesus' quotes of the Old Testament are from the Septuagint, which was the Sanhedrin's translation of the Old Testament from Hebrew into Greek. And what it says in Amos 7.1 is that there is Gog, who is the king, of the locusts, and then Magog is the swarm of them. And that, I believe, is what's being referred to here, is Amos 7-1. They're going to have all these demons come from all the four corners of the earth. They're going to come upon the holy city, Jerusalem. They're going to try to kill us, Noah. Then fire is going to come down from heaven, and they're all wiped out. The battle's over. We've won. We got all the bonus points. We're headed on to the new church. I see what you're saying. saying. (laughs) Praise God. It won't be people... Because he deals with that, mm-hmm. you're saying, between the goats and the sheep, right? Right, and, and then also one more uh, that's going to come, which is the great white throne judgment. You'll see that kind of lower right on the uh, page. And this is named after Revelation 20, verse 15, which says, I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Now, we're going to already have the people who are saved going to be judged, have well, basically they have the blood of the lamb, right? And they're going to be resurrected again. The people on earth will receive their eternal bodies as well. 
Now, everybody basically is saved in the time of the millennial kingdom. So who's left? Well, the Bible talks about the sea will give up its dead, mountains, all these other places people will be coming back from. These would then be the unsaved. And they're going to be judged from the things written in the books that they've done. And anyone not found in the Lamb's book of life will be put into hell. Now, can you imagine this is going to happen one by one then? And this is going to be before him uh, for whose face that heaven and earth flee away. So I, this is the Father. Can you imagine being without Christ, going all by yourself before Father God as a sinner? I mean, you would generally be burnt to a crisp, you know, right there. But you're going to have to listen to all the bad things that you did and the few good things. And then you get to go to hell forever. What a wonderful experience. Huh? No, it's not. But you can avoid that by loving Christ today, doing his will, and avoiding the whole tribulation. That's what I'm looking forward to. I don't want to be here. Praise the Lord. And we will have a judgment ourselves, those who are saved, but that's going to be a good one. We only get rewards out of it. The Bema. This is, yes, the Bema seat, which is named after where the Roman rulers would issue judgments. And what it is, is we will have all of our works in Christ. All these things we did for Christ. Others pastoring, giving to the church, whatever. They're all going to be put there before the Lord. And he's going to touch a flame to it. Whatever burns up the stuff we did to be seen and the rest of that, you know, I gave the money. I gave, well, it's going to burn up. You don't get anything for it. You already have your reward, Christ said. But the things that remain will be gold and precious stones, and they'll go in your crowds. And so some people will escape as though by fire. <laughs> some, some TV preachers might be on that list. But then we're going to have some people, maybe like that little widow who put in her two little coins, not thinking anybody was seen, and she may get many, many crowns, you know, because she had faith every day for Jesus. So it's an exciting time, and you can read more about that in First Corinthians 3, 11 to 15, and that's also on your timeline. Now, the final act of the eternal drama comes after all the judgments done, great white throne is finished. We're going to be going to a wonderful place called the New Jerusalem. Yay! Yes. Yay. Amen. Praise God. The, the Jerusalem today is interesting. This one is perfect. And there are times in which there are heavenly measurements given. There are literal measurements for the New Jerusalem. It's a cube. And it will be, based on stadia, which is not an exact measure, but about 1,400 miles per edge. Basically, one side of it would be about like if you went from Texas all the way up to the Dakotas, the western border, all of that east of it at the United States would be one side of the cube. Somebody estimated that uh, something like 60 billion people can live there. <laughs> it's amazing. So rather incredible. At only 102 levels high, it would equal the surface area of the entire Earth, including the sea, and each level would be 13 miles high. The wall is 41 miles high. <laughs> My God, you know, like from here to Borgers is how high the wall is. Nobody's going to get in that doesn't have the authority to get in. 200,000 feet. That is like seven times higher than your flight that goes from Amarillo to Dallas, you know, above the earth. Absolutely amazing. And those measurements are in Revelation 21. No more night. No more curse. No more sin. No more shame. The lamb is its light. We're going to have no electric bills, 
We've already been because we've got Jesus' blood. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We're going to make it. We're going to make it. Praise God. And so just to review, you know, we're coming to the end of the times of the Gentiles. It started when the Jews rejected their Messiah, but they're going to come back to him. The rapture is the next event on the end times calendar. I tell you, all of the signs, if you want to see what Jesus said the times would be like at the time of his return, what that last generation would be like, Look at the Olivet, O-L-I-V-E-T, discourse. Best known version is Matthew 24, but it's also Luke 21, as well as Mark 13. Right. And he gives you all of these. I've researched them, done message. All these things are happening. And very, very clearly and even surprisingly so. And so this is any moment. Nothing has to be happening before then. After the rapture, rest of earth remains, goes through the seven years of tribulation, Mainly that's going to reconcile the Jews to Christ, but it's also going to get some Gentiles saved. Praise God for that. Nobody should go to hell. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. At the midpoint of the tribulation, Antichrist marches on Jerusalem with his coalition, and he is going to take not only the city, but the temple, which has been rebuilt, stop all the sacrifices, declare himself God, demand worship on pain of death, and then also make you take a mark if you want to buy or sell. Isn't it better to take your time now and to humble yourself and receive Christ rather than say, will I take the mark and be able to eat or will I refuse it and then die of starvation? (laughs) You know, all of these things. I tell you, hello, baby. I tell you. And the God is going to release three rounds of judgment on the earth. First will be the seven seals. Second will be the seven trumpets. Third will be the seven bowls. The folks are all worried about climate change. My friends, you're going to see so much happen to this climate with blood entering the rivers, all of these sea creatures dying, trillions of them, all the green grass burned up. People were worshiping the earth just like God said that they would in Romans 1. These people, thinking themselves to be wise, became fools and worshiped the creation rather than the creator who is blessed forever, Paul says. That's exactly what has happened, isn't it? They don't care if people die. They don't care if they libel the president. They don't care about anything but themselves and worshiping their earth. The earth doesn't have problems. We do. We can't get along with each other. That's what the real problem is. We're going to have a maximum of 2,595 days of tribulation. That's just a little longer than seven years. And Jesus will return in body as well as spirit with a second coming. It's going to be an exciting time. I'll tell you that. He'll judge those who are alive on the earth, and he will bring with him all of us, all the saved people of all time in our eternal bodies, perfected. I'm going to be nice and skinny again. I'm going to have all I'm going to be able to run fast and all that like old days. I tell you, I'm looking forward to that. All these things. If they were confined to a wheelchair in life, they're going to be able to run and jump and have fun. My granddaddy, who was a cattle buyer from Montana, he couldn't ride a horse those last few years because he was so old. Now he's going to be able to ride a horse forever if he wants to. Praise the Lord. I tell you, we're going to be able to talk to Paul. We're going to be able to talk to Peter, Martin Luther, everybody that we ever wanted to in the kingdom of God. All our relatives, everybody. I mean, it is perfection. It is a miracle. Praise God. And we're also going to have the wedding supper of Belain. Christ and his army are going to defeat Satan and all his hordes. And the birds are going to feast on their flesh. Going to be quite an interesting time. Not going to be dainty forks or folded napkins. This is going to be birds eating. Lots of buzzards going to be descending on there in the Battle of Armageddon. 
And the Lord rules and reigns a thousand years with us. We're going to be appointed over different areas and temple and cities all across the world to rule and reign with them. The ultimate bucket list, 13 lifetimes to experience the earth. And then we're going to have also the lion laid down with the lamb. And at the end of the thousand years, the devil's loose to last time. He gets all of his demons together. They march on the holy city, Jerusalem, and God sends down fire from heaven and consumes every last one. And they get to burn forever there in the lake of fire. The second resurrection is going to then happen. We get the great white throne judgment and all the rest of the folks who are unsaved, they are going to appear before God. And they're going to be assigned to hell because he's going to look at the books of all written about all they've done and also see that they're not in the Lamb's book of life. So then you get to go to hell forever. What a great reward. eh? But God has to judge. If you don't judge, if you don't stop evil ever, then you simply victimize the people who are doing right, the people who are saved, the people who are trying to do what God wants them to do. And so it's time for us to have the new Jerusalem, our final home with the Lord, a city with streets of gold, glassy sea. It's going to be 1,380 miles on edge, like about the width of the eastern United States. It's going to be amazing what we're going to be able to have. No lack. In my father's house, there are many mansions. It's been calculated that if there are 20 billion Christians at all time, I think that may be a lie, that we would have about 17 or so acres each to ourselves of heaven. Isn't that great? I think it's going to be a little more, although I hope everybody gets up there who can. I'll tell you that. I don't want to see anybody go to hell. And to conclude, there is Revelation 22, the last chapter of the Bible, verses 1 to 5. They have a summary of this last home of ours up there in New Jerusalem, Apostle John led by an angel. It says, he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What a story. God is coming full circle. The, the book of the Bible most referenced in Revelation is Genesis. It's all finally going to come to an end. Man was never supposed to die, physically or spiritually. Right. He doesn't die spiritually. He always is going to be alive in one place or the other, heaven or hell. But now we'll be able to receive these glorified bodies that do never die because we are of Christ. We've received his, not only his name, but his spirit. And so we'll be able to dwell with him forever. But we don't get that automatically. If you don't do anything in your life spiritually, you'll go to hell because you're under that curse of Adam and Eve. But today you can come and you can be of God. There are basically four elements of salvation. The first is to repent. Just like uh pastor was talking about earlier, you have to be rescued. You can't think that you're going to save yourself. Only God can save you. He has the power. He has the son. The blood is going to have to go over your doorpost and in your heart. So you've got to repent of your ways, the things you did do and didn't do that were wrong. 
then we have to believe that Jesus Christ, his death is a perfect man, fulfilling the law, then stands for us. And so we have died to self and then we're alive to Jesus Christ. Only he can take away the sins. We believe that Jesus Christ was resurrected in body and spirit because we need both body and spirit eternally. And that's the only way we can have that. And then finally, we are going to follow Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. A lot of people know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. They see Jesus's word, but they don't follow it. You see, you've got to do both. That's not a relationship if you just know about somebody. I can know about the governor. Okay, I know this Mark Abbott. I know a few things about him. I don't know him. I have no idea what he's like personally. See, that's too many people who go to church. They know about Jesus. You know, he's got the, the long hair. He's wearing the you know old Roman dress on there and you know all this kind of stuff. And everybody's arguing at what kind of race he is, you know. Well, I'll tell you what, he's of the human race. That's all we need to know. It's every different people group you could ever imagine. Probably a few that have passed off the earth. But we've got to humble ourselves and accept Jesus following him. Are you and I gonna do that perfectly? Absolutely not. Only one person did as Jesus we killed him for. But what we do is we Humble ourselves, we say, I'm sorry, Father God, please forgive me in Jesus' name. And he is forgiven. And God cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And he gives us the power to be able to come up and to follow his word. Yeah. And so if you need the Lord today, go ahead and repeat after me as I lead you in a prayer. If you believe in that, you could go ahead and do that. And we'll ask you to proclaim in a moment. Well, Father God. I repent of my sins. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again the third day in body and spirit. I will follow him as Lord and Savior, asking forgiveness if I sin. Come into my heart, Lord, and save me in Jesus' name. Amen. We at Eternity Now appreciate your listening to this broadcast. For more, including links to all our programs and social media, go to eternitynow.com, E-T-E-R-N-I-T-Y-N-O-W dot C-O-M. We have over 100 videos on YouTube, and you can watch our services live there as well as Facebook, Twitter, and more. On our website, you also can email me, Pastor Kyle Huckins, and I'll respond personally. I welcome your prayer requests, questions, and comments. Again, that's eternitynow.com. May God bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you, and give you peace. I'm gonna shout, hallelujah, shout.